Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn them to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. If you want to know what page it's on, it's page, on page 1852 in my Bible. I'm into a study of the book of Hebrews with a group of men. About 50 of us meet on Thursday morning. And the leader chose this book because Jesus is magnified in the book of Hebrews. So what's the book of Hebrews about? It's about Jesus giving you victory as you magnify his name. If any of you ever got discouraged, don't raise your hand. If any of you ever got discouraged in life, come on. Let's say, all say, Amen. Are you discouraged about our nation today? Oh, my goodness. Kind of changing, isn't it? The one thing that's not changing is Jesus. He's the same for the generations that are past, for the present generation, and for the future generation. Talking about giving your life, I read a few months ago now, about the first two centuries of Christianity. How many do you think, how many people do you think were killed for their faith in the first two centuries? Got a big number in your mind? It's bigger than this. Now think big. How many believers were killed? All the disciples were killed except John and he was put in isolation. Paul was put in prison, ultimately killed, while he wrote scripture. They estimate that some two million believers were killed for their faith in the first two centuries. That's sobering, isn't it? Come on, isn't that not sobering? I lock my doors. I don't know about you. I live behind locked doors. I've never known a church that I pastored that didn't have some crime eliminated to it, eliminated by some good policeman. But basically, we live in a fairly secure nation. Amen? When you think about we can be believers, we can trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior and live out our faith without the fear of persecution. Oh, we may get some lip service. What do you do? What do you go over to that Goodlettville church for? By the way, that choir was pretty good this morning, weren't they? Yeah. Thank the Lord for the choirs. Karen sings in our choir at Inglewood. And this month, I'll be there for 38 years. I don't run anything anymore, but work. Karen and I work with pastoral care. We work with benevolence. We work with ministering to shut-ins and to work with funerals, those kinds of things. I've had four or five funerals in the last ten days. People, you know, know me. I've pastored Inglewood, senior pastor for 24 years, but I've stepped down. Now, I'm not as old as some people think I am. Uh, I'm just 50, (laughs) plus 34. And sometimes I don't put that 34 on there. None of us are so old we can't let Jesus be magnified. 
None of us are not our soul. We can't let Jesus be our victory. Now, I want to read this passage. The writer, which my son David, who's a pastor, thinks is Paul, and it probably was Paul or one of the apostles, or it wouldn't have been put in Scripture. I want you to listen to the warning. These are written, written to believers. If you're not a believer here this morning, I want you to listen to it anyhow. But if you are a believer, I want you to listen and I want you to open your Bibles. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. He's writing to believers. He said, therefore, what's therefore mean? After what I've told you in chapter 1, what did he tell you in chapter 1? Jesus needs to be magnified. In your life, he needs to be number one. We've got those children, we've got those grandchildren, we've got those great-grandchildren, we love them all. But we need to magnify Jesus above our family. Didn't hear any amens to that. Come on. We need to magnify Jesus above our family. Come on. Is that easy to do? No, it's not. No, it's not. That's what the Bible says to do. As a believer, we're to magnify, we're to have find victory in Jesus under every situation and any situation. All right, here we go. Therefore, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we will drift away from it. Verse 2, for the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. Verse 3. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by our Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miraculous things and gifts. The gift primarily being the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, in the midst of a world that is plundering in sin, rejecting the gospel, Lord Jesus as we never thought this nation would. Refusing to make Jesus number one. Refusing to let Jesus be magnified in their lives. Refusing to let the victory in Jesus be dominant in in the lives of our nation. Might we as believers stand firm. Be willing to speak a word of hope and help in the midst of life, to those who reach out to us. Now we lay aside those things that so easily catch our attention and pull us away from you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. There's several things here I want to talk about this morning. <coughs> I'm going to trust that you're a believer. 
He's writing to believers, writing to people who've trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they're going through great persecution. Some of them have been killed for their faith. Others have been put in jail for their faith. Others have lost their jobs for their faith. Others have lost their homes for their faith, but they've stayed faithful. But they begin to drift. Where do you go when you drift? Nobody knows. You're just drifting. Anything that comes along, everything that comes along, you just drift. First of all, I want to ask you this question. Is Jesus the Lord as well as the Savior of your life? That's a tough question. That means you run everything through him. May 23rd, that just passed, is a celebration of the power of the Holy Spirit coming to earth that Jesus promised. That Holy Spirit lives in every believer. Wants to guide him every way, in every day, under every circumstance. He has a task for each of us. Each of us in this room have a different DNA. Each of us in this room have different gifts. He wants to you, for you to use your gifts to magnify Jesus Christ. And the question is, are you doing it? I about quit listening to the news. Because what do they choose? They choose the worst thing that's happened in the day and magnify it. Right? That's what they do. I'm not saying you should not deal with bad things. But that can't be the priority of your life. When Jesus spoke to me, Susan was three months old. And the Lord said, Pastor, I was church, I was pastor, and said, Your work here is done. I was in place close to Kansas City, Missouri. I had a senior in high school, a sixth grader, those are the boys, and Susan, three months old. I went home and told my wife, I said, you know, our work's done here. I got a word from the Lord. The next week, got a call. Is there any way you can come to help me with the church? I'll make you co-pastor. You'll do the Sunday night preaching. We'll flop out some. I've got a big church, runs about 700, and I need some help. You know what I said to him? I'm coming. We packed our family up. My wife and I, senior in high school, who was president of his class, a sixth grader, and a three-month-old baby who didn't know anything to do but cry. We drove six, 800 miles to a new location. Because why? I knew it was the calling God had put on my life and the life of my family. Nothing is so inconvenient in your life that if Jesus calls you to do it, you can do it. Amen? Come on, wake up out there. Let's go. Amen? You believe if Jesus calls you to do it, you can do it. 
God called me to preach, I said, there's just absolutely no way I'm going to be a preacher. I was 27 years old. Pine County, the public utility company in Paducah, Kentucky. And I was a Kentuckian, true blue. I had gone to university and finished my work. And I was going to stay in Kentucky. God has a sense of humor. Come on. God has a sense of humor. I've lived in Tennessee longer than I ever lived in Kentucky. I've never been invited to pastor a church in Kentucky. Nobody wants me there. They know too much about me. The reality is this. God has a plan for your life. Let me tell you many things in your life are tough. Karen and I both lost our mates same year. She was one of Marilyn's best friends. I was a great friend of Jim's. Both lost with cancer. You know what about cancer? I hate it. You've been around it any at all? You hate it too. But it's real. In this earth, our bodies are weak and subject to disease. So whatever age you are, be sure you're involved in what God has called you to do. And how to tell you how you'll know it. If it's going to magnify Jesus, it'll bring victory to you and to your life and those you touch. If it's going to magnify you, forget it. You got a pride issue and get rid of it. The idea is this. The people of the first century who this writer was writing to had lost the victory in Jesus and they were afraid to magnify his name for fear they would be killed. Number one, are you willing, are you ready to say Jesus and Jesus only? I'll be very careful. Second, number one, I'll be very careful as a believer not to drift. So many churches today are drifting. Let me say that again. So many churches today are drifting. I was with a believer guy the other day, and he says, man, it's not like it used to be. Let me tell you what, it's never going to be like it used to be. So get out of that. You senior adults, get out of that. I was sitting in one of your rooms here in this church. You know what was in that room? A bunch of old, old hymnals. Oh, I wish we had our hymnals back. I wish we had the, We don't have them back. We're speaking to the next generation with the gospel. All we have to give the next generation is Jesus and Him magnified. And you never get too old to do that. Times change. Churches change. But the reality is this. Magnify Jesus in your life, through your life, in your church, through your church, or you'll miss the blessings that God has for you. Amen? Come on. Amen? This is just the Word of God. I'm not saying that. God's saying it. Be very careful not to drift. Thirdly, do not 
drift, but be an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador has no authority, right? Zero. An ambassador's word is zero. My word is zero. My opinions are zero. We are ambassadors for Christ. I was raised in the RAs. We were just drilled we were ambassadors for Christ, meaning our job is to take Christ's message to the world in which we live. For some of you, it means to take it to work, take him to school, take him to your neighborhood. Be sure you take Christ with you as you go. As you go, make him dominant in your life. hope I'm getting through here. Jesus, only Jesus saves. Jesus, only Jesus sustains. Jesus, only Jesus is to be glorified. At my age, I have some hip alongs, meaning I can't get along. How many of you have any hip alongs? Yeah. When you get 90 or so, you'll begin to get more hip alongs. And some of you that are 80 got them hip alongs. Don't spend so much time with the hip along that you miss the blessing of the hip along. Lord said, I want you to walk two and a half miles every day. Average two and a half miles a day. The hip along got better. Be careful what you eat. I've got a great cook. The hip along gets better. Be sure to watch your attitude. Don't live in the past. Live in the present. Don't live in the future. Three of the funerals I did, were a part of anyhow, were ladies in their 90s. They were faithful to magnify Jesus. Even in the nursing home. Now, I don't want to go to nursing home. I decided I don't want to do that. I made my mind up. I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to drive my car as long as I live. When we took my mother's keys away from her, she stayed mad at my brother and I for the rest of her life. So he brought the car back. He just didn't leave the keys with it. And it made her happier. There are changes, hear me now, there are changes you make in life. They're consistent. They're constant. If you say, I don't like change, then you don't like Jesus. Jesus was always in the process of reaching people in a strange place. He said to a crook, one of the Number one cook, uh, tax collector, he stole from everybody. And it's the only time Jesus said, listen, I'm going to house with you and going to have lunch with you. Only only person he invited himself to lunch with was the crook of the town. Don't put anybody out. I don't see any black people in here. My dad was colorblind. Be totally colorblind. 
There's only one human race. Only one race. That's the human race. There's not black, white, Asian. We do. We have a great work in Brazil, and they're colorblind. There's no such thing as white and black. Everybody's something else between the two. We've become convinced that the other race is inferior to the white race. You know who taught us that? Satan himself. That's not of the Lord. So get your priorities right. Magnify, if you magnify Jesus, you're going to go to lunch with somebody that don't like you, that lives worse than you do, that has ideas worse than you. Do it. Now, the last one is the favorite one. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in every way under every circumstance. I love to go to youth camp. I'm a seventh grader at heart. So I always went to youth camps. And they have a bunch of singing that doesn't make sense with us older ones. They get loud, they got guitars, they got everything, hollering and carrying on. And they were singing a song about the Holy Spirit. So I sang along with them. There ain't no power like the Holy Ghost power because the Holy Ghost power don't stop. Hey, there ain't no power like the Holy Ghost power. I was just singing along. And they put me, not knowing to me, on film. I have not been able to live that down yet. But you know what? Hear me now. There is no power in your life like the Holy Ghost power that lives in you as a believer. The Holy Ghost power that lives in you is more powerful than the President of the United States. And I hope you'll pray for him. No matter who the President is. I was taught growing up to pray for him. My dad couldn't stand Roosevelt. He prayed for him. At mealtime, he'd have a prayer for the president. See, we get caught up in political things, social things, economic things. And we miss the joy of our salvation because we don't magnify Jesus in everything. And the way you do that is to let the Holy Spirit who lives in you guide you every step of the way. Are you willing to do that? Let me read that passage again. I'm going to read the whole thing again. I want you to get get your Bibles. You may have a different translation. I'm not against your translation. Therefore, because you are a believer who trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Therefore, we must listen very carefully to the truth that only Jesus saved, we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood what? Firm, stood truthful. And every violation of that law and every act of disobedience is what? Punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we as believers 
ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus Christ. You got that? Do you believe that? It isn't about church. It isn't about who your preacher is. The first time I was ever in your church, Roger Abington was a pastor. Anybody remember him? Got a few here. Yeah. He and I, he worked, I worked on his staff when I was in seminary, and we just became good friends the rest of his life and my life. And so he came here, and I moved to, to Atlanta, and he called me one day, and he said, Phil, you wanted me to think about building a gym, and we're going to build one. He's not an athlete. He wasn't into athletics, because we think it'll grow the church. We've got it built. Would you come and help me dedicate it? So I said, well, where are you? He said, I'm in First Baptist Church, Goodlessville, Tennessee. I said, where is that? Well, it's close to Nashville. So he gave me the direction. So I come here at Roger's request. Never dreaming that many years later, 40 years probably later, my son-in-law and my daughter would make their home in Goodlessville. You know, God has a crazy way of directing our lives. Amen? Will you let him direct your life today? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for every believer in this room. I pray in the midst of the fact that something's going on in their life that's very good. And they're excited about it. Might they celebrate Jesus in the midst of it. And some, I'm sure, might be going through some difficult times. And I pray for them too. I pray in the midst of life, Lord, you continue to holler at us through your Holy Spirit. Because that's the power source. That we might in some way, under some circumstances, understand the pain we have the joy we have, the relationships we have, and take it to the call you have on our lives. If there's one believer here that's lost the joy of their salvation, might they hear your spirit hollering at their spirit, saying, wake up, quit your drifting, quit your drifting. Start reading your Bible every day, start praying every day, Start being guided by the Spirit every day, in every situation, under every circumstances, good and bad, hard and easy. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.